last time on this podcast. I'll never forget, we asked, what phrase would you use to describe the events that you've been to in the last, you know, 12 or 24 months? And the one selection that was chosen by far the most was the word snooze fest. Welcome to Upon Arrival, a show that uncovers stories and strategies that make up all the moving parts of business events tourism. I'm Adelaine Ung. And this is part two of my interview with Craig Cleason, whom people know as a fusion of Elon Musk and Mick Jagger, a combo of entrepreneurship, rock and roll, and theater, which makes him a unique proposition for the events world. On the official bio, Craig is the founder of Rock the C-Suite, Craig Cleman Live, and is also an established showrunner for global summits like the World Leaders Forum. If you missed part one, go check it out. Craig inspired our imagination to create better, more engaging, and memorable events using live music, theater, and even poetry. The antidote to a snooze fest, as most delegates going to industry events have described their recent experiences. Ouch. I'm excited now to share with you part two, where Craig reveals other perspectives to his work, life, and success. Because Craig is not only the consummate rock MC and event producer, He's also a marketing expert, having written a best-selling book on branding. And as I found out, he's also a pretty deep entrepreneur. I figured if I asked Craig, who took his company to $30 million in four years, a few questions about his secrets to success, I might strike some gold we can all share. And I think I did. Also, there's a surprise for you in this interview that you're going to want to grab. So if you're ready for part two... Here's the question for Craig I started with. Can I ask you about branding? Because this is one of the other areas that you are expert in. You authored a best-selling book called The Winning Brand. Where do people or most people get it wrong with branding at their events? I mean, is it possible to even over-brand your event? You know, I, I love that question. Thank you so much. It's very thoughtful. I want to say that I think it's very, very possible to over-brand. And I have found over the years that a lot of branding professionals focus on product benefit language and value proposition oriented language versus outcomes or versus what I call the four pillars of buyer thought, topics, trends, metrics, and outcomes. And I think when folks begin to abandon the Hey, it's all about me, 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 my, my, our value, our value proposition, our product, our benefit, our features, but moves into the realm of creativity and reflecting outcomes and it, particularly integrating some performing arts, some creativity with it. It goes a lot further. So it's funny. I, you know, I'll tell you a little story many years ago after I'd authored my first book which then spawned, you know, some consulting engagements and speaking at conferences. And then that led to a pretty robust consulting practice that I had for a number of years. And now on the weekends, I would always wear my shades. I'd always, you know, look kind of the rocker look like you see me now. Yeah. And when I would go on my consulting gigs, you know, of course I would either, you know, sport coat, you know, business casual sort of thing. So I remember I was at with a, a group of friends. This was essentially downtown Chicago. And we have a little barbecue, but he had me over. There are about 10 or 12 of us who've known each other for a long time. And, you know, hey, what have you been up to? What have you been up to? And I said, you know, 
I've got some consulting work I'm doing all week next week on site. And I think I'm going to dress just like this. And they said, what? I said, yeah, I'm going to ditch the sport coat. I'm going to ditch the button up. I'm going to ditch all of it. I'm just going to be me. And they said, and your business is going to go in the tank. I said, or I might just build a brand, you know. So when you say your brand, you're talking about your black T-shirt and your trademark dark glasses and the hairband, correct? Yes. Yes, I am. And back then there was a peace sign necklace that I always wore. I don't do that much anymore, but I used to for years. And, you know, they said, you're crazy. And I said, who knows? I might just build a brand. And then it turns out that with the exception of the really, you know, the legal profession and the finance profession that tends to always be really suited up and buttoned up. With those exceptions, everybody just seemed to embrace it. Everybody just seemed to say, Craig, wow, it's great to see you. Awesome. You're really unafraid, aren't you? And I said, I guess I am. But I will tell you that my real reason was because I knew I'd be more comfortable. I would think better. I would be me. You know, that let me do its best work. And then secondarily, maybe build a brand along the way. And I guess to some degree, I guess I have, you know. Yeah. And times have changed as well. I mean, do you think that if you went into the legal corporations and the financial corporations, you know, with your usual look, do you think that would be more acceptable today? You know, I first of all, I never have been in my usual look. I mean, I can always spruce it up a little bit. You know, I can always <laughs> change it up a little bit. But typically, this is me. I haven't, I don't recall, at least in recent days, connecting with, the, you know, some of the more insurance or finance folks that I don't know are necessarily conservative, but their business requires that they project conservative kind of image. Gotcha. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I want to just blend right in. Maybe I'll try one sometime soon and let you know. How's that? Well, if you can combine rock and roll and entrepreneurship, I'm sure there's something in that space that might actually move in that direction. But I guess what people do really are most curious about, I mean, for yourself and your 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 trademark dark glasses, are those part of your branding? I mean, how did those become part of your identity and your celebrity? Boy, I'll tell you, there's a little bit of a story there. So I just started doing it on the weekends. Or maybe in the evening, I used to live in downtown Chicago for a number of years, most of my adult life. And there's a great music scene in Chicago. I'm a big fan of the blues and Chicago's got a whole slew of, you know, live blues clubs. Yeah. And I always hung out with the artists, you know, and so I just dressed like this. But what happened was it actually now is a, these are prescription glasses. It's now a medical condition. My eyes when there's too much light, I get headaches. And I don't want to over-index on this. It's not, you know, it's not super serious. But in conversations with my medical doctors, more than one, they said, you know, Craig, this isn't a big deal. There is a way to treat this from a surgery perspective. There are always risks with surgery. But the other way to treat it is to just always wear your sunglasses You know, when you're at any time light, even like right now, I'm in my studio and my bright lights are on. And the doctor said, we know you're going to wear your shades all the time anyway. So just roll with what you've been rolling. So in answer to your question, it first just became not so much a brand, just kind of hanging out with the creative types, then later spinning it into my business. 
And now finally a medical condition that, that <laughs> pretty much keeps them on. <laughs> I, I go, I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's the truth. It is a story for sure, a story that's just evolved all by itself and it's become part of, you know, your brand. That's really interesting. But what is so curious as well, I mean, all this is converged to your company, you know, whatever you're doing is working because, I mean, you've grown your company to $30 million in something like four years. And that sounds like staggering success. I guess the most obvious question, you know, people might be wondering is, how did you do that? What was your path to success? And why do you think you've succeeded when so many others have struggled or failed? Boy, I, I will tell you that. Let, let me be clear. There have been plenty of failures along the way in my life, you know. So I'm sure. Yeah. I appreciate the kind words, but I can promise you it hasn't been all been success with a capital S. You know, I've, there are plenty of things I'd love to do again and wish I could do again, but can't and live with it. So there have been a lot of learnings, of course. I think the the most important thing that has helped me, particularly in the last four or five years, really, because now I'm juggling, you know, multiple ventures at this moment. And I think the thing that has really, more than anything, has been a renewed commitment to quiet time and inner peace and solace. And, you know, I have a bit of an extroverted personality. So it's real easy for me to kind of get out with the crowd and turn on the personality. And, you know, when the lockdowns hit, I felt a little bit like a prisoner in downtown Chicago. So I bought this condo 300 miles south of Chicago. That's about an hour from where I grew up and my parents aren't getting any younger. So I thought, okay, I'll buy this condo, has some advantages, beautiful location, great view of the river. And I'll just sit out the pandemic and then maybe Airbnb it and keep it as a vacation place. Well, during the pandemic, I could walk out my front door and be in these bluffs, these small mountains. And so fast forward the tape, I now hike five miles almost every day. I go to the gym, this beautiful athletic center that's part of a private college up on the top of the bluffs nearby. I you know, work out there at least three, four days a week. I, I really commit probably three to four hours a day to solace, which includes hiking in the bluffs and interacting with nature in ways I never had an interest in before. And now I feel like I can't live without it. Wow. And of course, hit the gym and all that is part of it. And I want to tell you that the solace, the quietness, the inner peace, the not being a slave to my phone, you know, every minute of every day, turning off the notifications, checking out of, you know, rather than Netflix, you know, do the hike and all those sorts of things has really given me the clarity of mind and the ability to juggle the three things that I've got going, to grow a company on the other side of the world that I'd like to get to a thousand employees in about 18 months and continue with Rock the C-Suite and Craig Kleeman Live with intensity. I will tell you, it's the quiet place of reflection and thinking through all the issues that's really given me the power to jump in and be as effective as I am. That is so amazing because it's not surprising that you talked about, you know, giving yourself time to contemplate, protect that time. But to hear you say that you commit four to five hours daily, I mean, that is, that is commitment to success in a way that I've not heard defined. 
anywhere else really. So I'm just amazed at that. If you did have, you know, a learning to share though from the bumps that you've had along the way, what would that be? I mean, if somebody came to you and you said, well, don't learn from my success, that's obvious, but learn from my failures, what would be the story you would share or what would be the learning that you would share? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I'll just be very, very honest with you in that I completely abstain from alcohol, you know, 100%. Now I won't participate in it for a variety of reasons, you know, physical health and mental health. And I will tell you, I there were a couple of folks that I was doing some significant business with. And in a moment of just being out and about and yucking it up, you know, and at a party and stuff, I just didn't have a good off switch. And I, I, I had more to drink. This was some years ago. I had a little more to drink than I should have. And I said a few things that really gumped up, like a very profitable relationship, that, that both personal friendship as well as like business stuff. And I found that removing things that adversely impacts clear-mindedness. Like I, I think my biggest stumblings and failures as I look back were when I allowed myself to be subjected by other influences that eroded my clear-mindedness and my level-headedness. Wow. And I think omitting that has been one of the single biggest things that, that's brought improvements and that's caused me to stumble along the way. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That is so valuable. And just that awareness piece that we, I guess, don't do often enough or well enough, or just don't give ourselves that one hour a day even just to see what needle we can move along that direction. I I just love that, you know, you have progressed so far. And that was the reason why you did that is because you were willing to commit that time to what might look like inactivity or it might look like I'm not actually contributing towards the success of my company by doing time out. That just blows my mind. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. You've not only set the bar at many events, you must have heard a lot of ideas as well as you attend those events. You've even featured at the Experiential Marketing Summit in Las Vegas this year. As far as events, marketing, human trends, you know, what can you share with us? I mean, you've been like the sponge that's been taking in all the great ideas. So what do you think we should know? Any learnings that we should be paying attention to? Boy, I, I think that, you know, first of all, I think just always having that attitude of wanting to improve. And, you know, one of my favorite books that I've read in the last probably 10 years now is The Autobiography of Stephen Jobs. Did you happen to read Stephen Jobs' autobiography? No, I haven't. Boy, I would I would recommend you put that one on your list. And what a lovely book and what an interesting story. And I'll tell you that one of the things I've learned from just following his life, and not, not that his life was pristine and perfect in every way, it certainly was not. But, you know, he transformed six industries. Of course, he's probably the modern day father of inventiveness. I mean, probably someday in textbooks in school, his name will probably be up there with the Wright brothers and Alexander Graham Bell and others. But one of the key takeaways that I got from studying his life is his profound commitment to the power of external perspectives. For example, if you or I were a senior manager on Stephen Jobs' staff and we were not curating world-class content 
and distributing it to our teams. If we were not engaging with world-class consultants, not attending world-class events, and then taking those learnings and improving them in our teams, we would last five minutes, you know, as a direct report to Stephen Jobs. And, and I think there's just something to be said for having an insatiable curiosity, being willing to make your life committed to understanding the power of external perspectives and being able to bust into something new that appears to be effective or at least examine it at all times. That would be one of the biggest takeaways I could give to anyone in my professional orbit. Fantastic. Can I just ask a final question? I mean, if you were in a room full of um, marketing executives, movers and shakers, and you just heard something that you think, wow, you guys got to listen to this. What is it you would be sharing with them? It would probably be a bit surprising, but I would share with them. I'm sure I would share this. Bob Dylan, who's, you know, folk rock artist, extraordinary, certainly not new, but he's the only singer-songwriter to win a Nobel Prize for literature. His lyrics are absolutely amazing. They're filled with depth and richness and poetry, almost beyond imagination. And I know his music is a bit of an acquired taste. I mean, it was for me years ago when I was introduced to Bob Dylan. I would truly encourage chief marketing officers to lean in to Bob Dylan and other artists like that who have almost in a mesmerizing manner have taken language and really without even knowing it, applied to hermeneutics, syntactical linguistics, and a lot of other poetry capabilities inside of their music and have just wowed audiences globally decade over decade over decade. So I would encourage the CMOs to really advance themselves on the creative level and let that affect their planning and the way that they move ahead. And I think they would potentially benefit from it greatly. Wow, Craig, thank you so much. And I know that there are so many more gold nuggets in that tank of yours. <laughs> those, I'm sure those books that you've got, which I'm, I must get my hands on as well, are full of each one of those points, they're going to be loaded with stuff that can really move the needle for many people, I think. And I, I love that you're one of those people that, you know, I can probably talk to for hours and hours on end. But I do appreciate you so much. How do people connect with you if they wanted to find out more about you or reach you directly or just, just make inquiries? You bet. The best way to reach me is probably is just at Craig at CraigKlemanLive.com. That's, that's all the case, Craig with a K and Kleeman with a K, Craig at CraigKlemanLive.com. And you know what? If anyone in the audience sends us an email to that email address, we just released, I just got a shipment of our first vinyl album, Rock the C-Suite. Wow. So if anyone from your audience sends me an email at that address and references you, we'll send them one of our vinyl albums just for fun, just as a gift. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much for that. I didn't even get to talk to you about swag because you have the most amazing merchandise at your events and, you know, how you can make your event more memorable just using the vinyl album, for example, and a couple of other 
bits and pieces, but I just love how, you know, it's not just the event experience and what you learn from the speakers, but it's also what you take home with you. And swag is done so badly <laughs> in a lot of events. Uh, I was talking about it yes. to somebody the other day. We were just shaking our heads going, how many things do we need to, are we bringing home from our, our events and they end up in the bin or they end up, we just pass them on to somebody else. We're not actually using them. We don't find them adding value to our lives, but there's so much room to do that in a much more imaginative way. And that's what you do as well. So thank you so much. Craig, I know you have a trademark sign off. <laughs> do, do you want to do that? <laughs> sure. Sure. Let's do it. My name is Craig Kleeman. I am the founder, the showrunner, and executive producer of Rock the C-Suite and Craig Kleeman Live. Peace. Cheers. I'm out. <laughs> Thank you so much, Craig. I have had so much fun and I have learned so much from you. Thank you for enriching my life. It's a pleasure. You're very kind. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate it. Do check out the show notes where I've put links to Craig Kleeman's work. And don't forget to collect on that free vinyl record that Craig has so generously offered to anyone listening. Just email Craig with a K at CraigKleemanLive.com. And mention you listened to this podcast upon arrival, events and incentives with Adelaine Ung. That email address is also in the show notes. A big thanks to Craig again for his generosity. If you found value in today's show, please click the follow button if you'd like to be notified when a new episode drops. I'll catch you next week for another great interview to uncover more stories and strategies for a successful future. Till then, cheers. Cheers.